Progress is impossible without change, and those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. George Bernard Shaw. In today's episode, we're going to be talking with Mary Shores about conscious communications and how healthy conflict resolution can improve your relationships and your health. So the big question is, how do women over 40 like us keep weight off, have great energy, balance our hormones and our moods, feel sexy and confident, and master midlife? If you're like most of us, you're not getting the answers you need and remain confused and pretty hopeless to ever feel like yourself again. As an OBGYN, I had to discover for myself the truth about what creates a rock-solid metabolism, lasting weight loss, and supercharged energy after 40 in order to lose 100 pounds and fix my fatigue. Now I'm on a mission. This podcast is designed to share the natural tools you need for impactful results and to give you clarity on the answers to your midlife metabolism challenges. Join me for tangible natural strategies to crush the hormone imbalances you're facing and help you get unstuck from the sidelines of life. My name is Dr. Kieran Dunstan. Welcome to the Hormone Prescription Podcast. Hey everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Hormone Prescription with Dr. Kieran. Thank you so much for joining me today. You're gonna love our guest today and the topic that we are discussing. It's all about communication. How conscious is your communication? And like in the quote that I started the episode with, are you able to change your mind about things? Or are you seeking optimal health and hormone balance, saying, I wanna be exactly the same way I am now, doing what I'm doing, thinking what I'm thinking, and I want my hormones to change. Because I hate to tell you, but mm, it's not going to happen. Because you do have to change your mind to change your hormones. Wondering what the connection is? Well, we're going to dive into that today with Mary. I will tell you a little bit about her, and then we'll get started. So Mary Shores is an innovative communication expert and best-selling author who transforms people's words to help them fall back in love with their work and their customers. 15 years ago, Mary discovered a game-changing formula to improve connections among people. It all started with a do not say list and grew into an entire strategy that will fix your relationships, which by the way, will fix your hormones and your health. Welcome, Mary. My pleasure to be here, I'm so excited. Yes, I love your book. And just so I don't forget to to say the whole title, Mary Shore's Conscious Communications, your step-by-step guide to harnessing the power of your words to change your mind, your choices, and your life, published by Hay House, one of my favorite publishers. Before we get into the details of how communications affects your relationships and healthy conflict resolution and hormones and all of that, I want you to share with everyone how you became an expert in this field, really what happened for you? Yeah, so I mean, it goes back a really long way. When I was 19 years old, you know, I'll just be really upfront that when I was 19 years old, I had a child unexpectedly. So, you know, since this is a hormone show, I'll go ahead and say this, but when I was 19 and one time I had went to a doctor, they put me on an antibiotic but didn't tell me that antibiotics cancel out birth control. So I ended up pregnant. After a healthy pregnancy, I was met with sudden tragedy when my daughter had suffered lack of oxygen to the brain for over five minutes due to umbilical cord asphyxia, which basically meant the way they explained it to me was that her umbilical cord had ruptured. So my daughter Haley was born with severe and profound brain damage. This left her blind, deaf, and on life support. So 
you know, the story did not end well. She did end up passing away, but I was in the, basically living in the children's hospital for about a year and a half when I was 19 years old. So I was just a child myself when this happened. And the thing is though, when I got done with that ordeal, I was really lost in life. You know what I mean? I wasn't sure what I was going to do. I felt like my peers had had moved on, had started their careers. So I decided to go into the family business, which is debt collection. And so oftentimes people don't understand, like, where is this connection between like debt collection, communication and connection? But for me, I think that because I had lived on the other side of financial stability during that time with my daughter, I had absolutely no resources. I literally had nothing and was completely dependent on the welfare system. So I had to dig myself out of that. My big opportunity, I felt if I was going to have a career at all, I really felt going into the family business was the right direction for me. There was a big disconnect though, because I was also, have always been on a spiritual path. And so I was really concerned about, you know, how was I going to be on this spiritual path while I'm doing something in my career that could potentially cause harm? And I definitely saw the connection between how debt collectors communicate with people and how that that causes so much stress and trauma, you know, and I realized very quickly that the common denominator is just having a debt can be a trauma, let alone the way that people are stigmatized over it or the way that they're treated over it. So I just started to study and I wanted, you know, my big aha moment came when one day I looked at the phone and I said out loud, I just want the next person I speak to, to be happier at the end of the call than they were at the beginning. Now that was so many years ago. And honestly, I had no idea how I was going to make that happen, but I started with one concept, which was this do not say list. And the do not say list is exactly what it sounds like. It's a list of words we never say, which are no, not, can't, won't, however, and unfortunately. I love that. I have to say, I'm sorry about your daughter. And I know there are probably people listening who have lost a child. And I don't know that there's any greater tragedy in life. So I'm sorry for your loss. And it sounds like it forced you to go into the family business. And because you had this kind of spiritual bent already, and you were going into what probably most people think of as a non-spiritual business, you had a different perspective to bring to kind of evolve that. And so thank goodness you said, I just want the next person I talk to to feel better after I get off the phone with them than when they got on the phone, when I got on the phone with them. And so you have the, the do not say list, which I love. I try not to use those words as well. And I get super frustrated. I mean, everybody listening, think about the last time you were on a customer service call and what they said to you. And the minute someone says to me, we can't do that, (laughs) that's not possible. Even if it's reasonable, I get angry immediately because nobody likes being told, no, you can't, you can't have that or no. And tell me what you can do. Don't tell me what you can't do. So this started the do not say list. And then how did it evolve from there? Because really you've come to this place now where you've taken it to a whole nother level and your personal journey, evolutionary journey, I think really will speak volumes to women, many women at midlife who are wondering like, what's wrong with me? What's happened to me? I don't know, I feel like myself in my own skin anymore. 
how do I feel good? And so what happened next on your journey that was your evolution? Sure. Well, first, I mean, I want to mention that, you know, when I made the decision to eliminate all of this negative language, it was huge. It took a lot of trial and error to figure out, you know, how are we going to replace those negative words with words that would work to create a connection? And so I turned to neuroscience and specifically neurobiology because I wanted to know, like, what is happening in the brain and the body and the nervous system when we're communicating? And turns out that was like the most brilliant thought I had ever really had because, you know, starting with the do not say list, what I learned was when we are, and it doesn't matter if you're speaking the words or if you're hearing the words, but what's happening when we're enveloped in these negative words, you know, if we're talking to customer service and they say, you know, unfortunately our policy is yada, yada, yada. You know, if you're familiar with the David Hawkins frequency scale of emotions, those words are really driving us down the frequency scale of emotions. So my goal was like, how can I move people up this frequency scale of emotions? And in the book, I call this cleanser clog. So it's really like everything you say, everything you do, every action you take, and this is in all areas of life, not just communication, but every choice you make is either, you know, moving you down that scale, creating a disconnection from what you really want, or it's moving you up that scale. And, you know, when you talk about feeling good, it's like if you rate yourself say on a scale of one to 20 at any given time, and you say, you know, how well do I feel today? And if that answer is, you know, below a 10, then there's a problem. We need to like do cleansing activities. So what I learned really is about first with the negative words, those negative words are creating cortisol, adrenaline, extra testosterone. It's gearing you up for a fight. It's like words that make you feel like you want to put your boxing gloves on. Mm -hmm. And those words are driving people down that frequency scale of emotions, creating a clog in the relationship, which is not what you want with anyone in your life. If you're running a business, you don't want that with your clients or your customers, but even with your children and your family and, and just you know everyone that's around you. So I started to think, how can we create a connection? And that started with validation. So really taking a deep dive into understanding that we're truly all wired for empathy, but we've sort of trained it out of ourselves. And I think that this starts it, when we're young children, you know, we have expectations put upon us. We have layers and layers of what other people think we should be. When we can take a moment, and this is like step one of my process, to instead of going to that urge to say no, or unfortunately, we say, you know, I can certainly understand that this is frustrating. Anyone going through this would feel the same way you do, so you are not alone. It just feels so different. You know, I'm sure just hearing mm -hmm. me say that feels calming. And so what that allows us to do is take a, a, a sigh of relief and just drop in and not be so frantic. So the idea here is that we want to cancel the nervous system. We want to cancel the fight or flight response, right? And we want to activate the parasympathetic response by saying connecting words. You are not alone. I can understand that that sounds really challenging. And that's the step that we're really missing in our communication journey. That it doesn't mean that we're agreeing with someone, it really just means that we're consciously acknowledging them because turns out we have a set of emotional needs and the number one need is to feel heard and understood. 
And it's something that the world needs connection right now. We all need connection more than we ever have before. So the timing of this podcast is great. If you're feeling disconnected from anyone in your life, whether it's a girlfriend or your husband, you know, whomever that is, to explore using this validation statement. And here's the science behind it. Matthew Lieberman, who is a social psychologist, he's he's a brilliant guy. He did a study with UCLA that showed labeling emotions can actually help us process the emotions. So if someone is presenting to you and they're frustrated or they're they're showing angry anger, you can literally just say that sounds really frustrating. If someone has said something and it's sad, you can say, you know, that sounds really heartbreaking or that sounds really challenging. It's just acknowledging the emotion. You also do it if someone has just shared something that's really amazing. You can say, you know, thank you for sharing that with me. It sounds so exciting. So that's really that first step in the process, but it's such an important step because when you provide a validation, what you're actually doing is you are increasing oxytocin, vasopressin, serotonin, and dopamine. And I don't need to tell you, doctor, that those (laughs) are very happy, healthy bonding hormones, right? Yes, absolutely. You said so much great, so many great things in there. I got to just highlight a few of them. So you talked about David Hawkins and the frequency scale of emotions. I think a lot of people are not familiar with that. I know when I bring it up in my coaching courses, people say, I've never heard of that. So you definitely want to get the book Power Versus Force by David Hawkins. And he talks about quantifying the frequency of emotions. So I just wanted to let them know about that. And then I think it's so key what you said. The number one need that we have is to feel heard and understood. Everybody listening, just think, like, what do you want more than anything from the people in your life? You want to feel heard. You get upset when people don't really hear you. You're like, you're not listening to me. You don't hear me. What are most arguments really about? Probably not the thing you're you think you're arguing about is the toilet seat up or down. It's the fact that you're not being heard that this matters to you and being understood and this need for validation. And that really made me think of Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And, you know, once our material needs are met for shelter and food and rest and things like that, we have these needs to be self-actualized, self-expressed, to be seen, to be heard, to be validated. And I love, I always, my nervous system, you can feel it viscerally calm down when you get on a customer service call and they immediately say, and you know, when they say this, that they've had training. Wow. I'm sorry that you're dealing with that. I know that must be really frustrating. And you're just like, oh, (laughs) this person, it matters, right? I've been hurt and I've been validated. You know, it's interesting. I just came back from this trip in Mexico And I always ask for a scent-free, chemical-free room wherever I travel because I don't want those VOCs in my, my body doesn't like them. And so I did request one and my room wasn't even ready when I got there. It took another two hours because they said you requested a special room. And I go in my room and they have that scent, you know, like most hotels put a scent because they think it increases your perceived value of what they're offering you. Just like they'll put plastic, some hotels over the top of the drinking glasses in the bathroom. (laughs) I read that that's, you know, some way that they make you think, oh, this is sanitized. And so I was upset and I said, well, I asked for a room that was chemical, that's chemical free. So anyway, their customer service person did exactly that. 
she said, oh, wow, I, I hear that you did request that. And that's probably really frustrating. And so I knew that she was going to uh, take care of it. So I just wanted to highlight those things. And I also love that you brought in the neuroscience of how this relates to hormone balance, that your oxytocin, dopamine, serotonin, and your vasopressin, all of these are improved and your sympathetic nervous system when you are validated and you are heard. So how do you teach people in the book to start tweaking their words and their thoughts and their communication for improved hormone balance? I know that's not, not what you say in the book is the goal, but my people, they know that's the goal. Well, and you know what? It's, it's a goal for me too, because I'm certainly someone, I mean, I've been divorced I have children. I have I have a rough job. I mean, just, you know, think about the concept of debt collections and how much conflict is involved in that, you know? And so I'm training other collection agencies. I'm doing training for customer service, but it's really about when you're in that moment, you know, and I, I can tell you a little story with this because a lady that told me this, this story just really warms my heart. Her stepson had sent her a pretty emotionally charged text message and he was blaming her for his difficult relationship with his father. You know, she immediately felt her walls going up. So step one is when you immediately feel, you know, this person has said something and now you feel your walls going up. You feel that you have to defend yourself, you know, the reaction. So we talked often, you know, I'm sure people have heard this, the difference between like reacting and responding. So when you know ahead of time that you're going to use some sort of validation statement, you really train yourself that this is the script or the prompt, if you will, that you're going to respond with no matter what. So when she got this text message and she felt her walls going up, she knew reacting defensively would only lead to more conflict, causing more layers of disconnection in their relationship. Now, she hadn't heard from him for a number of years before this text message came in. She just got it mm -hmm. out of the blue. Mm -hmm. So instead, she used all three steps of our communication uh, code. And she said, you know, I can certainly understand how deeply you must be hurting. And then our next step is to plant a seed of happiness. And so to plant a seed of happiness, she said she'd be happy to discuss how he was feeling. And she ended her text with an action statement, which is our third step. And she said she'd be happy to pick him up and see him in person. And he didn't respond for quite a while. Instead, after a while, he called her. And for the first time in a long time, they had a healthy conversation all because she was able to build a connection that really hadn't existed before. So, you know, what you're doing is you're bringing stability to a situation. You know, when you don't bite the hook, right? Pima Chodron has that book, Don't Bite the Hook. When you don't bite the hook, when someone has come at you, and this is true if you're in a customer service position or if you're talking to your best friend, when someone comes at you with that aggressive tone, our immediate reaction, because our nervous system has that, you know, it takes a nanosecond for our nervous system to, re to react. We have to think in our mind, I'm just going to say the validation. Immediately, the other person begins to relax, but so do you. So you have that step and then you bring in that action, that, that seat of happiness 
to say something positive. Because when you say something positive, you are further moving people up that frequency scale of emotions, decreasing those stress chemicals, and then now their mind can be open to a solution. You know, if you've ever been talking to someone and you've got this like great idea for them and and you feel like you have the right solution, but they're not hearing you. You know, and perhaps they get into story mode where they start repeating that story over and over and over again. If somebody is repeating their story on repeat, that is a sign that they do not feel heard and understood. And the moment that you can validate, not that their story is true, you're validating the emotion that they have associated with that story because that is truly what helps them process the emotion, move through it so that we can be emotionally receptive. You know, our brain space can get stuck on one thing, right? Mm -hmm. And when we follow these steps properly, people can be more open to what we have to say to them. I love what you're saying. And a part of my healing journey and the journey that I help women with is to know that our physical healing is not just about our physicality, our meat and bones. It's about so much more in that really the the meat and bones that we are is just the tip of the iceberg and we really are energy and our energy is our what dr maritza calls the intangibles thoughts feelings beliefs and our interactions with people and we really underestimate the power of the emotions i love that you're saying you've got to when the story's on repeat you've got to hear the emotion and validate that it's not necessarily the story that needs to be validated, but how they are feeling because that is the essence of what energy is running through their body. And until that's addressed, it will run everything. Just like if you don't feel your own emotions, I find that a lot of women at midlife are so disconnected from their emotions. They don't even know what they feel. They don't even know. I ask women, like, what's your dream for your life? And I have some women look at me with these blank stares and they say, what do you mean my dream for my life? I don't have one, right? They stop dreaming. They've stopped feeling. They're just going through the process remotely by habit. And they really have cut off kind of at the neck. And so I think what you're saying, I think for some women, it's if you're disconnected from your own feelings, how can you validate another is what I'm thinking because I find that some, if people are disconnected and, and a lot of times that's the problem at the root of hormone imbalance is nervous system dysregulation, disconnection from emotions. How in the world can somebody who's in that state learn to connect with their emotions is the first thing because I'm thinking how is she going to validate another's? Does that make sense? Absolutely. And you know what? It's a big, cause I've been, it's a big fear people have because I've been training on this system. And a, a lot of the training I do is in healthcare. And, mm -hmm. you know, when I'm training entire teams, like emergency departments, customer service, patient billing staff, mm -hmm. and they're telling me how difficult it is for them to provide that validation statement. The good news is that we're actually all wired for empathy. Every single one of us um, is wi wired for empathy. I heard Dr. Gabor Mate say mm -hmm. that in a, in a talk recently, and I was so happy he said that because some of us don't believe that we are. So the first thing is understand that every one of us is actually wired for empathy. The second part that I wanna say is that the research shows that when you 
when you provide empathy, whether you feel like you're empathetic, whether you think you can do this or not, but if you actually just force yourself to do it like a feedback cycle, it actually starts to strengthen the brain connections to make you more empathetic. So Mm -hmm. the, the structure for empathy is already within our system, right? As we practice it, the same as going to the gym, you know, you're building that muscle or you're, you know, working on your abs. It's a muscle that gets built. And so Mm -hmm. as you provide these validation statements and especially, you know, for my staff, because they're doing this day in and day out, we require them to do it with every single person that they're speaking to. And we actually measure it, you know, in our quality assurance calls, they are actually improving upon their own empathetic response. So the reason I'm telling you this is because if you're listening to this and you want to try it, don't worry if you feel that you will not be able to do it. If you can just say the words, like I said, when you feel your walls going up, just say those words, you know, that sounds really challenging, even if you don't mean them, because it's okay. The feeling will come when you say it and you practice it, you will start to actually increase those same happy, healthy hormones in yourself. And that is certainly Mm -hmm. a huge thing. You will feel better about yourself. You'll know that you made an impact on another person. And it's, it can, I mean, I remember the first, in the first few years when people were telling me, you know, Mary, I took this training and it didn't just change my communication. It literally changed my entire life. And I still hear that now Mm -hmm. to this day. So why do you think, Mary, we are hardwired for empathy? Little kids, you see this oftentimes. You see you see more kids helping each other in the playground than you do one kid clobbering another to take their toy. So why do you think that when I look around, I see a, a lack of empathy in a lot of places? So wh- why is this happening? Well, I'll speak to the lack of empathy first. And this is just a theory. So this is not science-based. This is just like my own observation, my own opinion. But I think that we've, we've been living through some disconnected times for probably about three decades. You know, we have women entering the workforce when, you know, 60 years ago, that wasn't really the case. So we've sort of been going through this um, conscious evolution of sorts, you know, and it changes the way things naturally were for for millennia before that. And I think that there is a a challenge with how children are being raised, you know, and I think it starts with coming out with bullying. You know, children are bullied at school more than they ever were. I mean, I don't remember bullying being such a issue, you know, 30 years ago when I was in elementary school, like it is now. I mean, to the point where children are commit suicide over it even. Mm -hmm. So I think that it comes from, you know, what's happening in the home first, because we're not providing as much connection to our children. Those children need to act that out. We grow up this way and it becomes a learned behavior. We have to defend ourselves in so many areas of life. And especially as women, that's not what we were built for. You know, that is that we were built to nurture. We were built to love. We are pure love, right? But if our behaviors are sort of creating a fork in the road, we've just got to figure out that that new balance. And so I have found that definitely through communication, it's a way, it's a starting point, just one starting point of many, where mm-hmm. you can begin to train yourself back into that natural way. And especially you know, I don't know about you, but I've been diving deep into like the feminine energy concept as well. And there's just so much to that. And who mm. knew? I mean, it's kind of sad that I'd never even heard of that until I was like 46 years old. 
Yeah, I know. I mean, we, 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 we for sure, I wasn't schooled in, you know, what is this energy body that we have? What is feminine energy? What are all these things? And so now I think a lot of us weren't, and we're having to relearn it at a later age. You have so much great information in here. As you're talking, I know one of the things in the book that you talk about is, you know, the empathy for not only other people, but for ourselves. And you talk about self-love and, you know, there's so, so many platitudes, oh, love yourself and get a pedicure. And I don't think really until this last year that I really got what it means to really love yourself more than, than you, not in, a, in an arrogant, selfish way, but to care and nurture yourself in a way that you would tend and care for your most precious child. So how do women, and I, oh gosh, so many women that I work with, they beat themselves up with the self-talk and they're never good enough and they don't ever do enough. And it's impossible to help someone heal their hormones when they have this negative chatter. It's almost like they have this abuser in their mind that's constantly berating them because their cortisol will never get out of the toilet. How do you help women to start to change their thought patterns to have empathy for themselves first and really turn the light of love onto themselves. If you and I lived in the same community and and we were great gal friends and we went out for coffee and I said, you know, this, I did this horrible thing. I made this mistake. I'm in a lot of trouble and I'm beating myself up for it. There's no way that your girlfriend is going to look at you and tell you how horrible you are, right? Mm -hmm. No way. She's immediately going to tell you, you know, I know you're going to get out of this. I know you're going to be okay. I believe in you. It's okay. You know, she's going to go into that mode because she cares about you and loves you. But it's, it's almost like you have to step out of yourself and be your own girlfriend because, you know, that's one of the things I learned. And so what I did, I kind of created this I think it's a five-step process. I call it five steps to break through your breakdown. And um, <laughs> I've certainly been through enough breakdowns in my life that I know. And so what I did was I wrote a list of all of the current issues or perceived issues I had in my life. You know, I think I think it was like a, a key employee had just resigned and I <clears throat> had a big tax bill to pay with my business. You know, I just had some a list of things. So I wrote out this list and there ended up being 20 things on the list. And when I looked at the list, I immediately had empathy for myself. And I and I remember looking at that list in the moment when I realized like, wow, anyone going through this amount of chaos in their life would be feeling the same way I do. So it's that same validation, but for yourself. I don't know that I could have gotten there without actually writing the list because it was almost like that piece of paper became the um, pseudo girlfriend, you know, like the piece of paper was like this list of problems that I had. And then from there, I was able to look at that list and I realized that half of the things were like true real events. Like half of the things were things that actually needed to be solved. The other half of the list was fear and catastrophizing, worrying about what was going to happen to me as a result of these problems. 
So like I would go deep into my mind because of my own past traumas and think I'm going to turn into a bag lady someday. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to be able to uh, support myself. Well, what is that? That's the fight or flight. You know, that's our basic, when you talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, that's that basic survival rung that we need food and shelter just to survive. And so when we're coming from that, you know, when you're talking about like manifesting, Anytime you're manifesting from a place of fear and chaos, you're only going to create more fear and chaos. So it's like you have to slow yourself down. So once you can, you know, look at your situation, perhaps conjure up some empathy for yourself. And one thing I really recommend, have a cry session. If you can't cry, which I couldn't cry. I mean, if you'd have met me six years ago, it had probably been 20 years since I shed a tear. Wow. That is such a, you know, somebody who's disconnected from their emotions. What I learned that really works well is you can watch a movie. You can watch that movie that's going to bring the tears. And there's that emotional release that happens when you are in that cry session. I think crying can be extremely healthy to let us kind of break the shell of those emotions. And then once we're actually moving up that frequency scale of emotions, like feeling a little bit better, then we can start to think about what actions we're going to take. But if we try to take actions when we're still in the fear and the chaos of the moment, really anything we try to create is going to turn around and it's it's not going to work out the way that you think but once you raise yourself up and whether you call that frequency vibration you know feeling better whatever words you like to use anything mm-hmm. you manifest from a place of empowerment is going to show up in your life faster better stronger and be more long lasting yes Again, so many important things that you bring up, not crying for 20 years. I mean, we're meant to have a full expression of all emotions, not be happy all the time and joyful all the time. It's just like if you ate steak every single day and that's all you ate, it's not healthy, right? It's unbalanced. And that emotion, energy in motion needs to move through your body. And so if you're not crying, there's something wrong. Just like if you're not laughing, there's something wrong. And I, as you were talking, I was thinking, I love the suggestion you gave about the movies. What are some of your favorite movies to bring on a good cry? Well, recently <laughs> I watched um, The Unforgiven with Sandra Bullock. I don't ah, know if you've seen it, but it's absolutely not. beautiful. I was crying the entire time. You know, another one, I'm good at this now, so I can bring up the tears at, at any movie, really. Another right. one was uh, The Tender Bar that is a Ben Affleck show. It's really just a heartwarming movie. You know, it doesn't even have to be a sad movie or like Peanut Butter Falcon, just these heartwarming stories that can bring emotion up in your body. And something you said that I I would really want to piggyback on, we were built to experience these emotions. Mm -hmm. If there was not a biological or evolutionary purpose for us to have negative emotions, then we would not have them. It is very important. My mother was born in 1954, and I can absolutely tell you that emotions were not allowed for her, Mm -hmm. right? Which means she raised me that way. The positive psychology movement, while it's good, and and we do want to have a positive attitude, or we want to you know, we want to focus on on the positive, but we've taken it t- so far into our society where there's almost like a guilt and shaming if you have a negative thought. 
that negative thought is a message for you. If you're feeling an ache or a pain, that is a message for you. David Hawkins has another book called Letting Go, where he really takes you through a process where you get in touch with where these emotions are stored in your body. Mm-hmm. Another tip that I would have is um, body work. You know, getting a massage. It's self-care I agree with you. It's it's not about a spa day. It's mm-hmm. about how you take care of yourself and emotions get lodged in the body. And if you can get some deep, powerful body work, not always pleasant. I'm talking about the deep stuff. You know, right. it can be, uh, uh, I've le- really learned how to lay out the emotions on the massage table too, and just have a cry session. In fact, one of the first times that happened to me, I was on the massage table. Yeah, very powerful because emotion is stored in the tissue when you get body work to have a release. And then all of a sudden memories might start coming up, feelings might start coming up and to allow that. And that's loving yourself right? To to allow that. We are going to need to wrap up. I love this book. One thing I want to make sure to talk about is the hundred things I love about me. Talk about how this exercise came about. And I want you to to kind of give everyone a challenge to do this. Absolutely. And -hmm. you know, I've, um, oh my gosh, I just got chills when you said this. This is actually a very powerful thing. It sounds simple. Mm -hmm. So I believe at the time I was working with a friend of mine. He's a dating coach. And he had given me this assignment, which was to write a hundred things that I love about myself. He's really trying to get me to see my own value, right? But the exercise just turned into something much deeper for myself. And I started writing a list and it's like, oh, I like my long hair and I love my long legs. And, you know, you kind of go through this superficial list of things. And I talk about this all the time because it took me about a month. Like I really ran out of things that I could like about myself or love about myself. It made my brain sweat because he stayed on me, you know, like, no, you have to finish the list. You have to get to a hundred. And that's what I'll tell the ladies listening today. This is not just about writing a love list about yourself, because what happened to me after, you know, the month was over, when I got to number 99, number 99 and number 100, I remember I wrote, I am radiant. What I love about myself is I am radiant. And I think that that was number 99. And then number 100 was I am a powerful creator. And I could never have come to that moment of realization, okay, unless I had gone through the other 97 things and and really stretching it through. So why is this important? Because when you're creating this list, it's going to make your brain sweat. I've even had ladies tell me how the back of their head tingles, and it's because you're creating new neural connections. There's Mm. also something that goes out into the universe. So I've had women tell me like, oh, I love that I love the color teal. And then all of a sudden they, she was wearing a teal blouse and someone complimented her on that color. I've had all these like little strange sort of um, synchronistic things that have happened with this list. So I really encourage you to do this because, and it will take a while. It's not, I know it sounds easy, but it's not easy, but don't give up until you get to a hundred. So you just take a piece of paper and you say 100 things I love about myself. And you can say anything you want on there, but don't ask other people for hints. You have to come from your own heart. I love that. And I'm going to challenge everybody listening to do this over the next month, right? A hundred things you love about yourself and really lean into what it means to love yourself. Really look at the thoughts you're thinking, use the power of your words. So it's about communication, not only with others, 
but yourself, because the communication you have with yourself really sets the tone for your hormonal balance, which is the foundation for your physical health and well-being, mental and emotional health and well-being. And I'm going to challenge you to do those things. Maybe pick up a copy of Mary's book, Conscious Communications. Where can they find the book, Mary, and find out more about you? I think the easiest place to find the book is on Amazon, and it's just Conscious Communications on Amazon. And then also my, my favorite social media is LinkedIn. I know that isn't everyone's favorite social media. So we also have Instagram and Facebook. My website is maryshores.com. That is M-A-R-Y-S-H-O-R-E-S. And you can find all of our social media links on there. So love to connect with anyone. If you've If you're checking out the book, I always say, if you read the description or the back cover of it, you'll know right away whether this book is for you. Thank you so much, Mary, for that great resource, for writing this, for your journey, for your tender, loving care of women at midlife and the tools that you've offered for us. I think they're very powerful. So I'm gonna challenge everyone to uh, take a look at conscious communications, do your hundred things and really up-level your communication. Maybe look at some of the books we've mentioned by David Hawkins, the Letting Go book, The Power Versus Force, even the one by Pema Chodron is good. She's got some beautiful books because having great hormone balance at midlife and beyond and great health is not just about going to the gym and kicking it out with vitamin X, right? It's not just about eating the right diet. It's not just about supplements. Are those things important? Sure they are, but they're not, they're necessary, but not sufficient. So you really have to up level. Like we started the episode talking about changing your mind. Progress is impossible without change. And those who cannot change their minds cannot change anything. George Bernard Shaw, including their health. So I really want you to start thinking about what am I willing to change? What am I willing to let go of with my chronic thought problem patterns? We think over 70,000 thoughts a day, 99% of them are the same. So what new thoughts are you willing to bring in today? What emotions are you willing to allow? What kind of TLC nurturing are you going to allow yourself to give to yourself and to others in your life so they can have that empathy? So I think that great questions yield great opportunity for improvement and new actions in the future. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Mary about this and sharing your wonderful book. My pleasure. And thank you all for joining us for another episode of The Hormone Prescription with Dr. Kieran. Thanks so much for spending your precious time with us. And uh, look forward, if you want to join me on Instagram at Kieran Dunstan MD or Facebook at Kieran Dunstan MD, look forward to your comments about Mary's episode and her book. And I would love it if some of you would post your 100 things you love about yourself. Want to ask me a question? I do a Q&A episode every month. So you can do that on my website. Just go on the podcast page and click the microphone and you can leave me a voice memo. Yep, I'll hear it and maybe I'll respond during our next episode. Until next week, peace, love, and hormones, y'all. Thank you so much for listening. I know that incredible vitality occurs for women over 40 when we learn to speak hormone and balance these vital regulators to create the health and the life that we deserve. 
If you're enjoying this podcast, I'd love it if you'd give me a review and subscribe. It really does help this podcast out so much. You can visit thehormoneprescription.com where we have some free gifts for you. And you can sign up to have a hormone evaluation with me on the podcast to gain clarity into your personal situation. Until next time, remember, take small steps each day to balance your hormones and watch the wonderful changes in your health that begin to unfold for you. Talk to you soon.